1: Blood and guts. But I love them When they're lengthily Discussed
3: I thought they were cheers of uh, celebration
2: at first. They were screams of degradation and <laughs> sin. This is with Gorley and Rust. i met. Matt. Yes?
3: Well, you're neither uh, degradation nor sin, my friend.
2: And you're all celebration and kin.
3: And you are Matt Gorley. That's right. And you are Paul Rust. Yes. And we are of the titular with Gourley and Rust, just like the
2: titular...
1: New Year's Eve. That's right, and
2: should all the acquaintance be forgot, and you know Never. we'll have a cup of kindness yet. It's New Year's. It's it's the thirtieth of December. If you're a Patreon subscriber, oh, that's right.
3: So tomorrow uh, you're going to be g- going out, putting on your white tux or your
2: best uh, evening dress and your two thousand twenty three glasses. That's going to be a tough Whoa, one. To, kind of tough. How ah, are they going to pull that off? Huh. The twos.
3: The in the loops and yeah. the
2: twos, I guess so, man. That's you got to be O-tier, a grueling business to be yes. the manufacturer of the the designer of those. Yeah, Every well, year. especially
3: if you were like, yeah, you you are like two thousand, the early aughts were yeah. just easy. Oh my god, it was god. a
2: primrose path. You thought you had it good, <laughs> and then you're like, I think I'm going to hand this business off to my daughter and my son, let them deal with it. He's like, oh, I'm just going to retire on my Audis money.
3: I started at 2011. You didn't even give me a soft <laughs> 2010 where I could use the two zeros. 2011? <laughs> I'm sure there's pictures. I'm sure there's photo proof of how they pulled off of that. But wow. that person did have their work cut out for them. Yeah, that's right. God uh, bless speaking those of people. work cut Uh-oh. out.
2: Ow, ow, ow. Knife cut. This New is Year's New evil. Year's evil. <laughs> Listen, um, let's just get into some business and sure. get it out of the way. First of Perfect. all, um, we didn't mention this before, but we're actually going to have ourselves a little holiday break. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get these ones out because they're Christmas and New Year's related, even though yes. we're recording them before those holidays. Yes. Now we want to take our two weeks off for the holidays, which will just mean that Leprechaun, or, uh, My Bloody Valentine, Leprechaun, and April Fool's will come two weeks after this, correct, but closer to their holidays. That's right. So in a way, 15. it's perfect. And, yeah. And uh, what so, this... if
3: if aliens happen to attack December twenty third, and we're not referencing it, that's a, that's why. Because that's right. we, we've recorded these previously.
2: Yeah, and now, frankly, we that... wouldn't anyway. We wouldn't. We want to keep these evergreen, so we wouldn't We'd, talk about any alien attacks.
3: We don't want to get political, right?
2: <laughs> and this will be the first podcast break for. I think I'm taking three weeks off of not doing a podcast. I'm not kidding. Since since the days when you could wear those Audis glasses.
1: <laughs>
3: probably l- since the mm, like early well, dawn of podcasts, you probably haven't had a, a sustained
2: three weeks. Yeah. Well, Supergo started in 2006, but we took Good big dolly. breaks on those. But around the end of the 2000s, before it got into the teens, I was probably pumping out podcasts on the regular. Maybe for my honeymoon, I think I took two weeks off. Uh-huh. But did I even do one for my honeymoon? I couldn't have. That would be gross. Um, but now, oh man! After today, it's my last podcast for I think three weeks. Wow! Really excited. And I for still you. love doing podcasts. I'm I know. Just I know. Excited to to have a little time. I, it's been a busy year. To you know, nestle nestling with my family, nuzzling. Yeah. Hey, yeah, your nestle. job
3: could be ice cream taster, and you'd still want a break. Uh, Ice but, cream tasting podcast now. There's <laughs> so it's going to be nestling with the family yeah. and uh, maybe reading a paperback. Yeah, that's what I'm excited for.
2: Uh, next you, week, hanging out. It's just do you have a, a paperback paperwork. ready to go? You got one um, in the chamber. Locked, I have a hardcover in the chamber. Fair enough. What yeah. is it? Can do you mind saying, or is it personal?
3: Oh, oh, uh, it's it's the new uh, uh, Tarantino book. The the book film of reviews. Yes, oh, yes, yes. that's exciting! Wow. Been saving uh, the rest of that for because mm. uh, I was enjoying it. Yeah. I was like, ooh, savoring it on a on a holiday break will be. Oh, nice.
2: I know. I I I've reconciled myself that I'm a pulp guy that. Mm-hmm. I, I read Spy Pulp. Now I'm reading like whodunit pulp. I'm reading, and it's good, Magpie yes. Murders, and it's follow-up mm. and watching that show for the holidays. And it's a good time to be alive. I bet
3: uh, uh, Mystery Pulp is, is really fun. It is. Yeah.
2: Spy Pulp and Mystery Pulp, forget it. Ever
3: since I was 10 or 11, my Favorite thing to bring, read on trips, on vacations is uh, film reviews.
2: I love it too. I'm with you. That sounds so good. I mean, think about it. What this podcast is, it's film reviews for pulp movies. So we're really (laughs) playing in our boxes. Yeah.
3: And we know they got a cozy quotient. That's right. That's right.
2: That's Damn straight. (laughs) So uh, we'll be taking that break and we'll be back. But. Go to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. You can get feature film length commentaries, mailbag episodes, special rankings and re-ranking episodes, cozy tournaments, cozy awards. Also, this wonderfully kind listener, Sean Lichtenstein, who I believe uh, someone wrote in and said, hey, would you ever drop all the Bradley and Terrence openings from the early seasons of this podcast into one Super podcast.
3: Brad Tearcut. Yeah, yeah.
2: The Brad Tearcut. And Sean has gone and done that um distinct to their seasons. So the Friday the 13th, Bradley and Terrence at Camp Crystal Lake is up on Patreon now. Haddonfield is up. Nightmare on Elm Street is up. Oh, they're all up.
3: Oh, that's great. What a k- k- kind, kind
2: thing to do. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> like cartoon characters. <laughs> what a
1: kind, 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 kind thing to do.
2: Uh, <laughs> um, other than that, <sighs> we just got a few Xenomorphs to read. That means yes. if you subscribe to Patreon at the Xenomorph, baby Xenomorph level, email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and we'll read your name on the podcast. Keep it short. And if you want anything special, Put the name and the request in the subject line so it makes us a little easier. Uh okay. Uh Steve, just Steve wants a shout out from HR Giga. Hello, Steve. I would like a reprieve for Steve. Can you believe that I put him through a sieve and then he got a big beef? That's dirty.
3: Geiger, Geiger, you're such a poet.
2: <laughs> and I didn't know it, but my feet showed because they're long fellows.
3: Also, can Gigers uh, uh catchphrase be that's dirty. That's dirty. After he paints something and looks, stands back and looks at it, he goes, That's dirty.
2: I never intend these to be dirty, but then I step back and like a manet or a monet, it's different up close. It's it's very innocent up close, and you step back, and there's a lot of bodily fluid. Say it, say the catchphrase. It's dirty. <laughs> Man. Ooh, a little twist. Uh, Okay. Movie. Theo Titus. Just just a good old classic shout out for Theo Titus. Ian Fleming for Sam Lawson. Lawson, we. Lawson, we. What? Sam. Sam Old Boy. (laughs) Always put a Y in the word Boy, but before the end Y. Two Ys. Yes. Uh, Matthew Mariner, once Urban, Irvin Kirchner. Okay. <laughs> hey, Matthew, uh, hold on. Let me switch gears. There we go. Yeah, there, we go. there he is. Uh, I just want to say thanks for listening to with Gorley and Rust. Get yourself a little treat today. Why don't you? What? All right. Uh, uh, John Kutkowitz. uh, and someone gave him a gift. Okay. That's nice. Someone gifted him the baby it, oh, Xenomorph. Wow. Just two more. Hang with us. Brian Carlton, it's me. I'm back. It's yes. dirty, man. It's dirty. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, uh, thank you two for listening. And finally, it's Steve Hamilton... Um and uh, he wants it as even Kirshner too. I should yeah, I should bloody. group these together because what happens is I was already out the door. I came in to do my ADRs and I was getting into my Volkswagen Common Gear and they tapped me on the shoulder because it's a convertible, of course, and they said we've got one more for you. And well, I they sent I...
3: out some PA. That's right, because Kirshner is a giant and yes. you don't anger giants. So they sent right. some lowly PA to go out and, and say to you, oh, Mr. Kirshner, what do you want? You forget. We, for, we forgot to have you record a line. Uh,
2: do you know who I am? I directed. Uh,
3: never say never again. That's I right.
1: The return for the man the the from Zoe River. Oh,
2: that's right. In Robocop 2.
1: Rubicap 2.
2: All right, I'll come back in, but this is the last one. I don't see any money for this. Those boys do. Matt Gorley and Paul Rust. <laughs> oh, no. They better start paying. Oh, right. All right. What are you doing? I'm going back in two. I forgot one.
3: They live a, in a little uh, uh, timeshare together.
2: Yes. The Ian Fleming, uh, Irvin Kirshner, and H.R. Giger.
3: I like watching this and witnessing this because it's like my own version of getting to watch like The Clumps. <laughs> You're like jumping <laughs> between apologize. characters in a scene. This is- apologize? <laughs> they're asking you. You've got nothing to apologize
2: for. Anyway, the name's Steve Hamilton. Kirshner, out
3: that's good um, That's I'm, also how you finish uh, a character you go out out gigger out slamming um, out hey i uh, would never n- name the name but i will name the name to you uh i i well, let me say this first i love actors yeah. and i love even when they're kooky and they do kooky things because it's like hey if they makes their job great and they're entertaining. Right. Who gives a crap? Uh-huh. They can do whatever they want as long as it's not hurting anybody. Uh-huh. But I did hear that an actor um, needs at the end of a scene after they call cut to have the clapboard, the little click for the person to come out and do that again. Because when the clapboard goes with action, that's how the person ignites into the character and but they then will he stay needs, in like, that the, character? Yes, he until... needs the book end of the next one before he's like like a hypnotist or something, like snaps him back out of Whoa. it.
2: Who is this? Come on, really? Yeah. That surprises me, honestly. I
3: hope I said that quiet enough. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. Isn't that great? Oh my god. I mean I love it. Like I said, who gives a shit? Like of the the part, that part, I love that actor. So Where uh, oh, wow. I I heard it from a from a person who had to do the claps. Oh, oh. Like it was first source, my friend. Wow. And said to me like on the last day of something to kind of be like
2: <laughs> So cut won't do it? A director yelling cut? I guess not.
3: I guess because it's not the same word as Action. Action. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> so there's a uh, like uh, hypnotist. Wow, rules. I know.
2: Yeah, like this. <laughs> yeah, maybe he got hypnotized. He went to a hypnotist and said, "Hypnotize me into being an amazing actor." And here are my keywords words.
3: <laughs> I mean, there's a logic to that, man, that I really like.
2: And it turns out it was a genie. Hmm. Wow. Well, okay, Paul. Okay. Pat. Anything else that we? Anything you need to cover? Uh, no, no,
3: no. Uh. Uh, nothing to cover before we dig into new. I found a new
2: Bob Rochelle video. Oh, do tell. Well, it's just another version of the stunt show, and this is just for longtime listeners; they'll understand. Nothing to report other than it was great to just have another taste. And what was the other taste? It was later. He was thinner uh-huh uh shorter hair <laughs> <laughs> okay. some lines have changed but it's nice just that i could just now watch five or six versions of the bob rochelle stunt show but i just feel duty bound to report that to listeners even though there's no real like movement in the story i'm still no closer to knowing anything about the man
3: i mean stuntmen are very opaque apparently. right their, their whole job it's like I'm sure it's like marrying a spy.
2: I guess, but what causes a stuntman to move to Las Vegas and work at a hotel?
3: CIA secret ops. Oh, I like that. I think so. I like that. Because a stuntman, you know, I just said spy, so. Yeah. But that wasn't the reason I just said it. It was separate. Uh, But yeah, I mean, uh, that would be a pretty good cover because a stuntman would have to be fit. Right. And know how to fight. Yeah, and put themselves at risk,
2: and know how to like inhabit a character of some kind.
3: Mm, Yes, my friend. Yeah, so it's a it's a good cover, and nobody would suspect somebody in show business. I mean, hello, we saw uh, that very famous movie that I'm blanking on about the the title of it was the science fiction movie that they were pretending to make,
2: Argo. Argo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I like this myth. I'd like to lean into this because I don't know how he died. He passed away in 2008. And so he either died in the field, on the job, or faked his death.
3: I bet he faked his death, went off the grid, was part of SEAL Team 6,
2: who killed uh, Osama. And he would have been like in his 60s at the time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Peak fitness, <laughs> him running up the stairs of the compound where. Uh, 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 uh,
2: Doing his bits, going, you know, yeah. hey, I don't like it. <laughs>
3: That's an order.
2: order. <laughs> what? That's an order. <laughs> Hamburger fries and a Coke.
3: <laughs> That's really funny, Matt, because, you know, remember in Zero Dark 30, it, uh, that person like on CL Team 6 does that badass thing of uh, whispering to the dark of like, Osama. Osama. So the person turns and can. You can kill him or whatever, yeah. uh, but if they had picked some hype Oh
2: Osama! <laughs> hey Osama! Hey Osama! Hey
3: Before he even finishes the name, he's already jumped on a helicopter and like float away. Uh- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alright, enough of my bullshit dick around. I love it
3: though. Uh, uh,
2: any Rochelle update is, is welcomed. It's just, just important news. Anyway. New Year's Evil. It's the reason we're all here. That's it's the reason we're all it's here. It's the eve of the of the very evil. Of the turn into twenty twenty-three for us. This is would be nineteen eighty going into eighty one. Is that right? Yeah. They don't quite say what year it is, do they? I know the movie's made in eighty.
3: Right, but they don't and then uh it came out um oh yeah uh December nineteenth and then kind of rolled out nationally uh Brantley Palmer's notes here. Yes, thank uh, you, Brantley. Thank you, Brantley as always. <laughs> excuse me, uh, he excuse um, yeah, then it rolled out sort of in January. Um but Interesting. Yeah, cuz I did think like, oh, now it's it is funny uh, uh, Halloween movies come out late September now mm. to max a lot of times to maximize or a scary movie. Yeah. You know. And then a Halloween or a, a holiday movie. I remember one coming out in the beginning of November, like some Santa Claus movie yeah, it used so it was. So it's like Pump they, them
2: breaks. I know. It's like how Home Depot puts their Christmas. you can't get Christmas stuff in Home Depot in December. They're already done. They put it out wow. or like the selection is so small. Right after Halloween, even before Halloween, Christmas stuff is out. Halloween comes out stuff comes out in like August it's crazy how Home Depot does it
3: that is crazy that by December it's like they're empty or, or it's yeah, just like they've like, moved not, on they've moved on yeah because what they're like sorry losers if you're thinking about decorations in December yeah uh, why are you here yeah.
2: though may I uh, walk you to our giant Valentine's Day decoration selections <laughs> do they really have no none? well probably I don't know
3: <laughs> if somebody designed their house with deco- uh, 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 like a big heart it would be very moving I think <laughs>
2: A big heart-shaped bed
3: um, but yeah uh, let's uh, talk New Year's Evil. I had seen it before but mm. it was I think back in high school so I didn't oh. remember very much.
2: Yeah I had I did not expect this movie. I don't know what I expected. I think I expected more of a slap Here's the thing this movie is a slasher movie. But you know what undoes a slasher movie for me? And I like this movie. Don't get me wrong. It Uh it sat so sweetly in that middle ground of asking nothing from you, but is just like a time capsule of a mediocre pulp slasher. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. Time
3: capsule is the thing that I really loved most about this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's
2: kind of like pleasantly boring in a way and, Mm -hmm. and kind of. G- gentle oh, gentle in its own right even though it's lurid at times I don't know but
3: I totally feel what you're saying yeah, yeah. it's like a Sunday afternoon slasher
2: <laughs> is a sl- slasher movie let me propose something to you when a killer wears gloves and plans murders that doesn't feel like a slasher movie to me it feels too premeditated mm-hmm. too in control mm-hmm. it's just more of a serial killer murder. Yeah, Which any is type slightly of different to me.
3: Yeah, or somebody uh, I'll add to that list: uh, a voice, yes. modifier, yeah. a um, a particular gleam to their weapons, <laughs> yeah. like to to their night. Like, yeah, I guess that's more, um, yeah, gloves, just, jalo, uh, yeah. Stuff. yeah, yeah, that Glo- kind of like. Gloves. I wish he had like a trench coat on and like. Shades like yeah. we needed to complete the whole look.
2: But the fact that he had the forethought to put gloves on, there's no crime of passion here. It's a crime of procedure and, and compulsion or something like that. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I I um you're hitting at exactly, yeah. I was thinking like it, it, it is funny, it's like this movie was clearly made post Halloween. It had to be. Yeah. Uh yes. the title alone just is, is cashing in and just the way time works with the years. Uh, but you can like see that like um uh, again, like it's not like everything's nailed down. And I thought it was interesting. I was like Okay, so this slasher movie knows enough to be ripping off the Halloween music. And mm. even the Friday the 13th, I, yeah. like, sneaks in there. And I did the math, and that came out in May, Friday the 13th, 1980. Uh. Music's done last. I could see somebody in September of that year when they're making the music for yeah. this. They're like, sure, whatever, we'll add that too. A little bit of those ha-ha-has we like, the kiki ki ki ma So the music is so uh, bitten, as they say. <laughs> but like, yeah, the fact that it's this like following an unmasked killer on their procedure of how they're doing it. Sometimes it felt like, oh, they're pulling less from Michael Myers and more like um, Ted Bundy and the Hillside Stranglers. Like yeah. these real cases of men who charm women and then kill them and torture them. Quite
2: clever in its twist because I did not see it coming that he's the husband. And so they, they forsake the identity of the killer. But what you get from that is the relationship of the killer to the final girl that I should have seen coming, but I didn't. Did you remember that? Did you see it It's not that I
3: remembered it. It's just when, yeah, when I heard that he was out of the picture, then I was like, Okay, then maybe it's the son. And then when the son was watching Derek, when he was watching the TV and hearing the voice, his mom talked to the voice. Then I was like, okay, well, it can't be Derek. Then I guess it's the dad. (sighs) Like my brain just went there because I think I assumed if the dad's in Palm Springs, then Derek's the killer. So then I'm on that really interesting journey that's like equal to yours, which is I'm like, well, it can't be him. Because so I'm on the
2: I think because you figured it out,
3: yeah. Or it's just like um, you're giving that movie. I thought that breadcrumb was for for me to understand. Oh, that it was a like a red herring. Yeah, yeah. And 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 so I was just waiting. And so when it was like he walked up to her and was like, "I'm your husband." I was like. I was like, oh, it is. okay." I I thought it was going to be somebody else. Also, it's so funny that he gets into that hotel studio by pretending to be a security. He has to go through the whole rigmarole of changing a security guard. But he's her husband, Richard. He could just like walk up to that hotel.
2: He could do the thing he lied about doing and call the agent. And yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He didn't even need to sneak in the dressing room like that. I, I guess he was just doing it maybe to spook her. Uh but uh yeah I don't know.
2: What year was Terror Train?
3: Terror Train I think came out in
2: 79. Or maybe so, it did come
3: out in 1980.
2: Either way, I mean a lot of New Year's Eve murders happening.
3: Well, and it's also in that Yes, you're right. It's also in that weird um you know, uh, a drop-off point where it's not that gory. It's like still in the Halloween vibe of we're not going to show a lot of blood and then didn't catch up enough with Friday the 13th. But I would put it in the terror train category, too, of like soft, late 70s, early 80s, gauzy, cozy horror movie. Like, I know that like even the content of New Year's Evil is like sleazy. Mm -hmm. It's like Hollywood Boulevard and But it has like a charm for me. I know. It it doesn't seem
2: sleazy. Let me see if I can articulate what the charm is for me. I was aware of this type of movie when I was a kid. I never saw this movie, but I was aware of the characterization of Hollywood like this with like the first scene you get like stoner flashing in a van, punks in a convertible and then like greasers. And the whole point is like Hollywood is dangerous. It's drugs. It's sex. It's yeah. rock and roll. And it's LA's kid, version of Times Square. Yes. Yeah. And I was as a kid in Whittier, which was 45 minutes away, but so suburban. And I was just, just like, that's what I believed Hollywood to be. Now I look back on it and it looks so quaint and fake and storybook. And it gives me a kind of like solace for the young me but also there's still a little like titillation and fear of that dangerous world then throw into it pinky tuscadero from happy days and you're like what it's you can't reconcile it with your kid self and your adult (laughs) self and so it's like both confusing but also comforting and discomforting and it's if
3: you're like at that age uh when you were seven had seen this movie and seen a punky tuscadero uh, in this movie, in this like scary, uh, Hollywood Boulevard yeah. land. Do you remember like what? Like I recently watched like Hollywood Vice Squad, or when I watched Ter- the Terminator, the beating of the Terminator. That's all Hollywood Boulevard, yeah. and I have to assume low budget stuff. Whatever the city zoning was, they were like, "Who? Sure, we'll make it easy for you to shoot in downtown." Because like.
2: Well, this really? was a seedy time for Hollywood. This was kind of like okay, a, a pretty seedy Hollywood boulevard. Before
3: it kind of got uh, Kodak theatered yeah. up and stuff. I mean, that's what, um, when you said Time Castle, that's what I love about it. The look of that LA that I never got to experience. You know, I moved yeah. 25 years later, 24 years later. Uh, and then uh, I have a real interest in that like whatever that new wave
2: subculture
3: in LA was. And
2: then there's whatever version is in this movie that doesn't exist in reality. Where
3: like, yeah, intersection of like glam rock and uh, new wave and punk. And then, but one of my favorite parts is okay, so the first two or three minutes you hear the title song, New Year's Evil. Yeah. I like timed it. Less than six minutes later, that band gets introduced. Now, Shadow and they start playing the exact same songs. <laughs> yes, yes, they end the titles, the end credits with it again. It's like a band that has like one hit. Yeah. Like starts the show, does it, does a midpoint reperformance, and then. Uh, well,
2: it was also on Golem Globus's Canon's record label, so that was this whole package thing where they Fuck. they're showcasing this song and this band, and same with Maiden Japan, the other band. I'm uh-huh. assuming, uh-huh. and it became a showcase for this music. They were doing, yeah, almost, almost felt like the Frankie goes to Hollywood segment of Body Double.
3: Yes, I I didn't know that was on the record. That's like really great because, you know, there's something a little sleazy about canon movies that I love. For sure. And so, but when they do stuff like that, that kind of cross promotion or whatever, it's like, yeah, it seems kind of sleazy showbiz, like, hey, let's get every buck out, but it's like, the slick major oh. studios do that too. Yeah. It's just that these guys are making sleazy things, so it seems sleazy or something. But uh, um, You
2: want it in a Canon film, and this is one yeah. of the first ever Canon films. Well,
3: what I was going to say, I wasn't going to say, I was just going to say now, that logo. Yeah. Um, so it was like Canon Films uh, Incorporated. It was just like yeah. written there and it had a little logo yeah. and yeah, it was like one of the first Canon movies and later in the mid eighties with like Rambo and shit yeah. like Canon, when that logo comes on, they are front like yeah. they're, they got the goods.
2: It's like a CG logo yes. or something close to that.
3: Uh, on the level of Carla Co. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I always yeah. get
2: the two confused.
3: Well, yeah. Cause I think they're equal in their power. Yeah. But, um, uh, 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 when I saw that early Canon thing, that was like a little kind of like dorky. It made me think of like, it was the experience of when you meet somebody cool or know somebody cool. And then you look at a yearbook photo. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. Like, oh, Canon Films Incorporated. Look at you when you were a sophomore <laughs> in high school. I love you even more now.
2: What did you see? Let's do a little logo logo. Because mine went MGM.
3: Didn't have the MGM. Oh.
2: That's funny. Mine went MGM and I'm just thinking like the the house of, of James Bond of wizard of Oz. New Year's evil and new year's evil, then Canon that logo. And then so clearly I see the LA skyline and I'm just like, Oh, I had no idea this was set in LA. I was so excited. 1980s LA Hollywood. That's I'm seven. That's when my dad takes me to downtown LA a lot to Hollywood, to universal studios, to, to his work in like metropolitan downtown LA, and we would go to like the Children's Museum in downtown. We'd go eat there. We you know like you'd drive through Skid Row and see all that. And uh-huh. So this was that connection I had to
3: because you were going here when you were yeah. seven. You were sometimes yeah. coming to that yeah. city, right?
2: And I just taken back, and then then the movies just kind of a real just you just. Exist with it. It's never a thrill ride. It's not a roller coaster. It's so sustained and just. I know. But I, I it was pretty.
3: right to compare it to a roller coaster that never has really. It's just kind of like one of those kiddie ones. Yeah. That it's just sort a of train goes, ride. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Like one of those, like a, when it's like a snake
1: or yeah, a centipede yeah, that kids yeah. sit in.
3: Uh, yeah. I thought the same thing when the shot opened. Um, Oh, and I watched it on YouTube, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. The whole thing was up, and it looked oh. beautiful. It was like this clear picture. Mm. The, when I saw it, it was on video, and it was so sludgy. Oh, I like. God. I remember my God. friends and I like everything looked so dark, and so to see uh, those beautiful LA colors. But I, yes, I felt the same thing when it started. I thought, and I saw a city skyline, and then like they cut to some like modern architecture building. I was like. It's not fair. But if a horror movie starts like in a city with like, and then cuts to a a city skyline and then to it, I'm like, this is already at an eight. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of whether it gains on the eight or somehow manages to screw up and lose, start going down from the eight. I
2: completely agree.
3: I love those. I love city set. And, And I love New York city set. Horror movies, like did you see the trailer for Scream Six? I'm so stoked! It's, no, it, I didn't know it came out. Uh, yeah, it's wow, in that's a, already out. Uh, uh, the 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 trailer, a little snippet. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, it takes place in New York, and it looks really cool. Uh, wow. but the um the uh, horror movies that are like in or thrillers or whatever that take place in Times Square at this time. I like them because they're like real sleaze. Yeah. Yes. uh, This isn't a horror movie, but you know, Taxi Driver is like the best example. And it's like lurid, but, and it's beautiful in how it's lurid. But yeah, Los Angeles is like, it's what I love about the city. Everything feels a little bit of a, Facade that's yeah. not totally getting at reality. It's like their version of sleaze is just not really. I mean, when I go to that area, it definitely has like dirty corners and stuff, but it's not dangerous. No, it's not. Yeah,
2: it's, I mean, you, you probably was during that time, or, uh, but yeah. only because I was a kid and I'd see. I I knew more of it from movies than I did reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was always a little scary in the sense that there was a lot of like vagrant and and unhoused people there mm-hmm. that as a kid, you are taught at that time to think they are scary mm-hmm. predators as opposed to you know victims and things like that. And especially Man. being raised in the kind of Republican household, you know, I don't want to mischaracterize it and it wasn't a bad household by mm-hmm. any means. Mm-hmm. but just that kind of thing of that Reagan era of you know people who are down on their luck, are always coming for your money or something like that. And and it wasn't, you know, now I can look back at it so clearly and it's just.
3: Well, and then the irony that uh, the home, uh, the the unhoused uh, population spiked when Reagan went into office because he's cut funding for uh, 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 mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is where Richard comes from. Like Richard, the main character here. When he goes to that nurse, Yvonne. Yeah, Uh, Jane is her name. Yvonne, uh, the the woman who he has pour champagne with. Yeah. Oh, Yvonne was the first first woman in the shower. Yeah. Okay, that answers a question for me of when he referenced her and how he could know her, but she wouldn't know him. Now
2: we get it. It's Jane, and he's Doctor Jeff Winters,
3: (laughs) straight from a soap opera.
1: Speaking Nurse of that, this, this, doctor there was something doesn't. about
2: this movie that reminded me of a mix between like a Kojak episode, the way it was shot, mm-hmm. and the way it was co- kind of more like a criminal procedural. And then a, it had elements of porn, the way it looked. Yes. Not, not just that you see a boob here and there, but just it just had a seediness.
3: Was it, like, Beretta or something yeah. where he'd go undercover? Like, what cops would go undercover? Because, like, when he started to put on the disguises, which I love. Why? Why
2: does he do it?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, there's no descriptions going around about, like, look out for this guy. He yeah. looks like this. He said, oh, well, I didn't think about this at the time, but now it does line up with my theory of wh- who he is, which I think he's a a, um, a failed actor.
2: Oh, is he? Did they ever say? Well,
3: because his last line, he was like a Shakespeare. Yeah, like, he that's can right. Shakespeare. That was but I was just going to say him turn. loving putting on disguises and inhabiting different characters, I think,
2: could add to this thing. That does work because it's both he and Derek are kind of like, hey, we're actors too. And, and Blaze, the mom, won't give them the time of day because she's the star.
3: And that seems to be the bone he picks with the... Blaze, yes. The dad is Derek. Had this, got this acting gig. He didn't use your name, which yeah. is so fucking because funny. Because what I mean,
2: is she? She's just a.
3: Is he going to yeah. use the last name Blaze
2: <laughs> and a host presenter? Is yes. she? An, oh. They don't even say she's an actress, do they? She's just like running a she's video a TV dance?
3: like DJ, like a yeah. hip Dick Clark. Yes, <sighs> hip Dick Clark. <laughs> hip Dick Clark. You know, uh, my hip is right next to my dick, so you might as well <laughs> Clark it up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, But yeah, the uh, 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 right like that. Somehow she has major pull. Yeah, uh, that her name you, opens doors, and she's like, you know what she says in that situation. If she could have, if she knew that her son was auditioning for this this uh, show, she'd pick up the phone and go, "God damn it, cast my son in spaceship, spaceship
2: Earth, Amer- spaceship America."
3: What I think it was, Spaceship America, which uh,
2: but doesn't the dad say he and this time he didn't use your name? Yes, so he's done it in the past, but it doesn't seem to have been working for him. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And because he goes in, um, I'm Blaze's son, <laughs> and they're like, Next, who? Who? Oh, American she's gladiator? that
3: VJ. <laughs> What's a VJ? Uh, Is that victory
2: over Japan?
3: I wrote down, yeah, the... uh, the, Because there was some really choice lines. Uh, But yeah, uh, Spaceship America. I would love to see Spaceship Spaceship America. America. So
2: what what do you think that is? That's like love boat, but it goes into space and it's just a bunch of Americans? Or is it like an American aircraft carrier, but it's a spaceship and they're fighting in an international war, but in space?
3: Yeah, here's what my imagination uh I was like my imagine. I I'm say that cheekily because this is so dumb. I yeah. was like, um America's gonna get hit with a meteor. So they put a few people on a thing and we yeah. create a spaceship and now That's it's that right. Every American country, habitat out in yeah, space. Every yeah.
2: country does one spaceship for some reason. Yeah. So like the world reforms as a big spaceship convoy.
3: Yeah. and Hey, you know, they got problems with Spaceship Russia. Oh yeah. Forget about spaceship it. Spaceship Mother Russia. Oh my God. Gorbachev. Uh, <laughs> says, make it, make it so. <laughs> uh, the, um, Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Just I, I figured there was a point where I was like, did I miss the point where he said he's, uh, he's an actor?
1: It, it was it, possibly, but it
3: just, uh, I didn't catch it. Um, yeah. Also, he was like, <laughs> J.C. Penny model, handsome.
2: I know that's so exactly right. I love Kip Nibbins. Kip. Nivens. That's his
3: name.
1: Dip his Kivens.
3: <laughs> <laughs> My friend Dip Kivens has a brother. Uh I'm Kip uh. Kip Nivens. Wow. And his I mean let's talk about his look. It's there's he's handsome. Right, but but it is like when you say it's like a um Kojak or something. Uh
2: He's, he's like cut-rate TV handsome of the time. His yeah, and voice, I'm
3: in no place to talk about same. somebody's looks. Uh, so I'm more thinking of it like a, the approach of like, oh, when you're watching something, what does your brain react? It's like wired a certain way yeah. for you to like... And so just that like... This guy is ostensibly Michael Myers. Right. So I kept thinking, what if he's just essentially if Michael Myers... Took off his mask and was like J.C. Petty, handsome.
2: That's funny because he does, you know, when they when Michael Myers takes off game. his mask in the original, uh-huh. and they cast a different actor for that shot, who
3: wasn't Nick Castle, yeah, right. And no. they
2: wanted him kind of angelic and good looking. He does have a kind of a Kip Niven's look to him. Mm. Also, the thing that does doesn't help is if Kip Niven's voice is very. Sort of Midwestern and elocutionist, and just it's <laughs> just not the right voice. There's something really off about it. I don't know.
3: Yeah, you're right. It seems like a what it should have a little bit more like De Niro in it or something. Something. Right? And then a did you re- street.
2: read Brantley's notes that the voice processor that they use broke? It never works. So he's actually doing that voice.
3: Okay, I saw, I read Bradley's nose and I'm like, what did he do? He just like, he could just make that like, like yeah.
2: himself? Well, I was when I was watching it, kind of going, that's not a very good thing. And what is this machine that he's just sticking a tube in his mouth? They never quite showed you what it was or. uh, Yeah, it was this little
3: box, like a, like a breathalyzer. Thing yeah. And his wife being like, I'm just, you know, when you now know what the reveal is, you replay scenes in your mind. I'm like, <laughs> that lieutenant is like making her listen. He's like, Do you notice any speech patterns that are like your. She's like, Nope. <laughs> if I was um, that guy's wife, maybe that's his complaint. It's yeah. Like she doesn't she recognize doesn't- my voice when Boy, I speak through a bo- voice modifier. Tragic flaw. Uh, I, uh, I loved that voice modifier and I loved how he called himself evil yeah I'm evil and then when he was like (laughs) I cracked the fuck up when he went I'm evil
1: remember me
3: this little shit going around. Remember me? Uh,
2: well, it does make sense if he's a failed actor and he never got recognition. And the, and the profiler is talking about this. Like he has an ego and he is, he needs the attention. And-
3: oh, right. They say it's like the son of Sam and Zodiac yeah. where it's like this, uh need for public attention. And also yeah. that um, when he finally com- comes to her, he's like sitting while she's looking in a mirror and it's like, he walks off cause he's, he gets angry because he was, like, blown off by... Her. It just seems like a,
2: well, it an entanglement of, of his
3: ego or...
2: Why, after they know this guy, after the first one, they know he's a killer? They find out right away that this nurse is found at the sanitarium. Yeah. Why would they let him back on the phone? And then when they know he's right. coming here, why would they continue the show? This is really... I, yes, love it. I love I, it. Yes, you're so right. I it, Hollywood Hotline has to go on
3: because it's a movie that's like, you know, 85 minutes long, gloriously oh, 85 minutes yeah. long. There's not many like of those subplot exit no. ramps that movies can do cuz the two that I thought that like Die Hard is like amazing about where it's like six off ramps of like different characters all off on the Die Hard yeah. freeway. This is like yeah. The side of like it's only the lieutenant, and nobody's going like, we gotta close this down and somehow draw him in, and we're not gonna give him airtime, you know. Yeah, there's that. And I also kept wanting, we didn't get it, but I wanted the Craven 80s network executive. It was oh, like, we're yeah. not taking this off, oh, baby. This is
2: ratings bonanza. Are you yeah, kidding, yeah. we've already sold to affiliates across market.
3: <laughs> so you answer that phone, <laughs> or this merger is not going to yeah. go
2: through. The ratings are through the roof. What do you mean? Don't put the f- killer on. Get him on the line.
3: <laughs> you give him a contract. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the uh 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 oh that it being eighty five minutes long. Um. I've really been enjoying the eighty five minute tonic of. Oh, yeah the police academy
2: movies oh have you this is funny because uh, like last year i was going through these movies and you now are? you're going through them yeah. god love you it's a. Uh... did you see they all we're, you and i are on the same plex server that the lovely stephen glander put it thank us on, you Stephen. and they're all on there yes yeah uh, uh so or do you own them on blu-ray <laughs> I actually have
3: the actors come and reenact it for me. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh, wow. What a treat.
3: <laughs> it's a, more of a table read setting. They're not like in costume or anything like that. But, uh, have you gotten
2: to the one where the guy from Hand Rocks the Cradles playing the Mahoney character? He's the Gutenberg
3: around five. I haven't gotten to it because I'm right now in four. Okay.
2: <laughs> Which one is four? Four is, well, Citizens on Patrol. Okay, I got that far last time. Um, I think that's where I stopped.
3: It really is the uh, Avengers of the Police <laughs> Academy series. It's so dope. They get all the different characters from the first three all together. Like even George Martin, uh, yeah, uh, uh-huh. and G W Bailey.
2: Oh wow!
3: No, George. George yeah, George he Martin. bailed. He bailed after the first one, along with um Donovan. He's the guy who um he's great. He's in this movie I really love called Samantha. Uh, Samantha. Uh, um, oh my god, why am I totally uh Savannah Smiles? Oh, I remember that. Yeah,
2: which part is he in Donovan's Scott, I think
3: it's no, is that the villain in the last crusade? No,
2: that's he, he's the Walter Donovan.
3: Okay, he's the uh husky guy who joins police academy in the first one. Who's like, um, uh, I'll show you a picture of him. I saw him
2: once at a uh, oh. No, I'm thinking of Stephen First.
3: When I first, he's the Stephen, if Police Academy is the Animal House
2: ripoff, he's the uh, first. But Stephen First was in Police Academy. No. What? Remember he gets thrown over the bridge in the Kodak, Kodak booth? The camera?
3: No, that's that guy. This guy, Donovan Scott.
2: Oh, so he really is the Stephen First. Of these movies so much so that I didn't def- differentiate. Them.
3: Yeah. Uh, he's well, in Popeye, right? He's in Popeye. He's Castor Oil. I just, That just popped up. He's Leslie Barbara in the Police Academy of Movies. He's a deputy in Back to the Future Part 3. <gasps> is um, he still alive? He is. And uh, yeah, when I first moved to LA and was doing commercial auditions, it, it was, speaking of doing things early... Like July, August is when they start shooting the commercials for the holidays. So you'd go and do a commercial thing in like summertime. Yeah. There's a bunch of guys like dressed like Santa. Uh, And I saw him dressed as Santa. Did you talk to him? No. He did bring me... I can't tell you. His performance in Savannah Smiles is like one of the earliest like, oh, whoa. really? Actors can be really funny that this guy's cracking me and my sisters up. Oh, Um, But... Uh oh! This is I was going to ask you one. What's the earliest thing? Uh, two questions. What's the earliest thing you remember really cracking you up? And any New Year's Eve memory? What's any big New Year's Eve memories for you? That was another question I wanted to ask oh, at some point.
2: In the those spot. are two toughies. First, I mean it would have had to have been Daffy Duck. I would think. <laughs>
3: And like jerk Daffy Duck, or when he's Daffy Daffy
2: Duck, I don't remember because I love both equally. Yeah, they're both really great. <laughs> God, uh, what else could it have been?
3: That part in 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 Star Wars when the Jawas shot car two D two and he uh, falls over
2: uh, and face plants. It was probably. Star Wars, like when in the very opening, when three PO and R two walk through the laser barrage, like and don't get hit, (laughs) or when laugh it up, fuzzball, or get this walking carpet out of my way. Um, Oh yeah,
3: I bet Han was get cracking you up. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But
2: uh, I don't have a lot of New Year's Eve memories, other than my friends and I all stayed at. My girlfriend and me at the time, another couple, stayed at my friend Jeremy Carter's apartment in Pasadena on the New Year's Eve of 1999 into 2000. Okay. We had a slumber party and we were all going to go down to the Rose Parade because he lived in Pasadena right by the route. And Jeremy's wife's parents were staying there as well. And they were these really sweet, but super passive aggressive Midwesterners. And so we all, the time came the morning, we were up late and it was cold and none of us wanted to go to the parade. And she, the mother came through talking to herself, stepping over us. We're all sleeping on the floor, opens the sliding glass window. It's freezing going, oh, I just don't know how to shut this. And it, did, it didn't work. And then no joke. She came through with a, an alarm clock blaring going, I just don't know how to turn this off. Like came from the bedroom w- holding the alarm clock, trying to wake us. <laughs> I know
3: that. Uh, where were they from the Midwest? Kansas. Okay. I know that type of behavior exists <laughs> all over the globe. People not being necessarily authentic hey, it's part of the human condition. Yeah. But there's something particularly pathological in the way that Midwesterners do that because it is like the ultimate insult to your intellect. Yes. That you would buy that as like, oh my God, she couldn't turn the music down. She couldn't close the door. Well, I'm up anyway. Yeah. But good golly. Sorry, but like and they're so look.
2: afraid to be direct with you and say, "Wake up, we'd like to go to the parade." As
3: if that is worse <laughs> or this deceiving polite. with kind yeah, of fake yeah. politeness. I mean, it's been the journey I've been on too, oh, man. It's wow. the thing uh uh yeah. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Th- How about you? Um
2: 1999, I remember being with friends with that. Um, well, then, of course, the next day, the alarm, the reason it was going off was because of the Y2K bug, anyway. It was. Oh, I'm sure the
3: microwave door was opening and the mixer was. was going off and <laughs> drawers
2: were opening and closing yeah, on their own. Meat was inchworming across the counter. <laughs>
3: you went to the bathroom and looked in the mirror and pulled your yep, chunks of your face absolutely. off. Absolutely. Uh Oh, I remember, I think, maybe around the late 90s, I was with friends, and this is like a um, embarrassing, uh, this isn't a cool thing. And like, once with my friends, I was like, one day doesn't matter from one day. Oh, who cares? When the ball drops at midnight, let's not even celebrate. (laughs) And then like six people didn't celebrate New Year's Eve that year. Which year was it? Because that it was like 97 into 98 or something I like that. I remember peak. that being a
2: bad year because there was some sourpusses that didn't ring it in.
1: <laughs>
3: oh my God. Yeah. Uh, me and the other
2: sourpusses really, really ruined it. Well, One New Year's Eve, I worked a murder mystery special event at Club 33 at Disneyland. That's awesome. But it wasn't because it was just really underbaked. Special event that six of us were just dressed as different character types. Like I was a millionaire. There was a cowboy. Mark McConville was a cowboy. And we were just supposed to mingle with guests, but there was no game plan. It was really sparsely attended. So we just ended up talking with them. Like that's pressure. And, and like my we,
3: stomach got into it, was thinking horrible.
2: like but it ended slightly before New Year's. So we all raced to my place and got high and watched Zardoz. <laughs>
3: Is that a? Do you have a, a, a Connery movie to match up with each substance? <laughs> yes,
2: booze is the Untouchables. <laughs>
3: no, no, no. The Untouchable is the liquor itself. Yes. That's the Untouchable. Yeah, undrinkable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh oh oh. That same group that I probably did that weird dickish thing uh, of like let's not celebrate. They were the crew that I watched New Year's Evil from and it reminded me there was a place in Sioux City called Video Update that we would drive to. It was like Sioux City was like a half hour away and... uh, Was
2: that a video store? Yeah. Video
3: Update. What does that mean? (laughs) We update our videos and the thing was is like we went there because it was like decidedly not update like they kept old shit and if it was in a certain section it was like 50 cent rentals or something like that so our high poor ass high school cells would drive down there uh maybe go see a movie at the mall and then pick up some videos to watch over the weekend uh maybe go back that night and watch another movie (sighs) like at some friend's house because Hey, if you're over at somebody's house, and your parents know it. You know, yeah,
2: watch fun movies. Oh.
3: So we wa- rented New Year's Evil, and uh, thing though, yeah, like it's also the video store. We got like invasions, uh, invasion of the blood farmers, and, like these really crazy out there. That uh, sounds like
2: something they'd be shown at the all night spookathon at the van I was driving.
3: Oh my gosh, blood feast! Uh, Don't you uh, wish that was real? Uh, blood feast? No,
2: the the spookathon drive in Spookathon.
3: That That's like yeah. on New Year's Eve night, like a drive-in theater that like yeah. rings in the New Year with the movies. Every
2: car, every car's battery would be dead in the morning <laughs> from keeping the heater on.
3: <laughs> yeah, or uh, one of their partners and each couple going, yeah, we'll hook up the next movie.
2: <laughs> oh, yes. However, that shot of, of just the guy rubbing the breast, kind of going, and the girl smiling with a joint like they're both getting the two things that all teenagers love a guy loves grabbing a boob and a girl loves her hit of marijuana uh,
3: I mean that you know the account like one perfect shot on Twitter yeah. that is like I thought when like right you know, like her bare breast out he's fondling it. She's going to enjoy a little, Like
2: grunt. Like, if you
3: just took that frame and hung it up, people would be like, this is a beautiful snapshot of what America is and was. Yeah. I uh,
2: mean, That's, this is what fed my understanding of what young adult life was like in the big city.
3: But I was thinking that would be pretty, I mean, now on the other side, when you're a kid, uh, now I'm no longer a kid and imagine that's life. Uh, the thought of like, yeah, like you said, going to New Year's Eve, a, a drive-in on New Year's Eve, watching a bunch of movies
2: with friends. That seems really fun. Especially if it was like Terror Train or New Year's Eve and they timed the countdown together. Yes,
3: yeah. yes. Uh, um, it's funny because the footage I've seen, um, Blood Feast, it's from the 60s. It's like one of the original uh, Splatter movies. Oh, uh, Herschel, Gordon, Lewis Mm. uh, my sister who uh, is a um, a film professor but um, also for horror stuff Uh, she showed me Blood Feast years ago as like a original movie of Splatter but it's weird they call it Blood Feast but then it's not
2: that footage maybe they just like the title yeah it was all canon film Mm -hmm. stuff I think they were showing yeah
3: yeah Uh, yeah that is so funny when uh Of course, they're not going to pay somebody else for their own thing. They can just put up their own stuff. be cool if it was like the first five minutes of New Year's Evil. (laughs) (laughs) It's a way to cram in the song in one more time.
2: But it's like Pee Wee Herman and it's the cast. It's like James Brolin and Morgan Fairchild in New Year's Evil. Well, the Pee Wee Herman thing,
3: the evil sometimes sounded like it. was like, I'm
1: evil,
2: remember me? And actually, Morgan Fairchild and James Brolin would be great casting as blaze and uh richard, richard you're right yeah.
3: they are the blaze richard uh and what uh, part
2: would peewee get as a cameo
3: he uh um, oh the 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 producer of the blaze is like one uh, oh manager? yeah 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 yeah
2: oh and that same biker gang could be from the movie too <laughs> Biker gang is
3: so funny i, I just love the bonkers. of like, I got away <laughs> until I <laughs> ran afoul of a biker gang.
2: What does the biker first say to him in the car when he flips him off? Something Padre.
3: I didn't catch that. Yeah. Maybe San Diego. <laughs>
2: <laughs> San
3: Diego Padre. It's the Padres, you dickhead.
2: Just that you've got like <gasps> p- punks, stoners, greasers, and bikers. Just the quintessential danger subcultures yes. that oh, all they so needed funny.
3: was yeah like a West Side Story like Dance Gang right and the, yeah 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 like a uh, it, like Warriors it style. was basically like the Warriors yeah, yeah. Um, now um would you say that this is certainly a case of title first yeah Absolutely, I think most of these holiday movies probably are right. That has to be the 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 way they worked it out. They were like, "Well, let's work backwards yeah. at the holiday." Um, the uh, uh, I will say, and I still feel this way when I watched it um, the first time. It is a little disappointing that he's in LA doing it according to the time zones and other cities. Uh-huh. And when I, what I hoped new year's evil was going to be when I heard it was like a, a movie where people die at midnight in each time zone. I thought it was going to be like, um, evil as in like cult. Oh, uh, maybe I had just seen like Halloween three or something, but just like oh, scattered like each
2: city is doing their own little killer session. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, or even
3: hmm. like a, the killer has some uh um Learjet or something. <laughs> so he is traveling times into time. The Concord. So. Yes, the Concorde, yeah.
2: Uh, let's talk about Roz Kelly, who played Pinky Tuscadero mm-hmm. in Happy Days.
3: Oh, I called her Punky earlier. Sorry, Pinky, I like that yes, too. Yeah, yeah.
2: Sister Pinky of Brewster. Leather Tuscadero, but she she was She's still alive. She's 80. She she either left Happy Days or was dismissed because she didn't get along, I think, with maybe Henry Winkler. But then this came up at dinner last night with some people. <laughs> and you must know about this. I did not. That there's been a long, apparently a long-standing feud between Tom Hanks and Henry Winkler.
3: That's so funny, Matt, right? When you just said she might have left because I was gonna say, oh, nobody ever talks about the feud between. Hollywood's two nicest guys,
2: and it's all it all took place on Turner and Hooch, and yep. apparently, Henry Winkler was the director. Yep. When when the first week Tom Hanks had him fired, and they've never reconciled. Is that yep. right? Yep. Tom Hanks had him fired, and then he was replaced, and then with uh, Roger Spottiswoode, who was a, a Bond director.
3: Damn. Yeah. So a, a guy who's a uh, takes orders must be um, right. Right. It's funny because then the movie Henry Winkler did next was Cop and a Half. So it was like he still wanted to do his version of the crazy cop duo. So Uh, who
2: do you... Why is Tom Hanks still mad? Because he just had him...
3: Well, I didn't know Tom Hanks was still... I I thought it was like...
2: Just Henry Winkler. Yeah, and I could
3: see for Henry Winkler, maybe it's like every... But he talks about, he's such a nice guy. I was like, well, I didn't yeah. think he was so nice when he did that to me. Uh, it does. Now look, I love both of those actors. Literally hours and hours and hours of joy both of those actors combined have brought me. It is a case of the vanity of small differences. Uh-huh. The thing they're fighting over is niceness and they're two nice guys, like... Henry Winkler's, Henry Winkler's up being like holding a grudge against Dolph Lundgren being a dick yeah. or whoever. It just seems like uh, I get that way. The people I have like a real problem with are the people who are not a degree away from me, a half a degree away oh, from right. me. Yeah. yeah, interesting. They look too much. I don't even mean physically. I just mean like it's weird to see me yeah. and I don't like me. So yeah, oh, I yeah. wonder
2: if they'll reconcile before it's too late.
3: Do you have do you have your own little um uh and and not an actor but just like a doppelganger person that kind of exists as your
2: i wonder because there maybe there's one or two people i don't i don't know one or two people in my life that kind of put me off a mm-hmm. little and maybe it's maybe it is and i i need to do some self examination that They remind me of myself or something, you know.
3: Yeah. It's confusing sometimes because it's like, oh, does somebody rankle me because they mirror the stuff I don't like about myself? And so that's why I focus on what they're doing more? Or is it it's probably both, but it's like, um I so don't like how I make these mistakes. And so when somebody else does it, I guess I'm saying the same sort of thing. Uh, But like, um, I don't know, like whatever, not to go on a T-R-U-M-P tangent, but I did feel like that's kind of what was a little bit of his creation was if you got... Feelings inside you, anybody, I'm saying the royal you or whatever, yeah. that's like, I don't like how I'm vain. I don't like how I get hung up on dumb shit. I'm so self-involved. You look for a worse version of that. Ah, yeah, and Trump right. yeah. during on the Twitter age, yeah, just offered that by the spoonfuls for people to be like, I ain't him. I ain't him. Well, that's not Two me. type of people.
2: The, the or that people, is me,
3: and thank God this guy's speaking my power. Is that what you're saying? Like, or
2: just yeah, like if that is me, then he's showing me that it's good because he's so cool and strong. So I must be cool. Or if you're a self examining person, you're going, oh God, I have some of those traits, and he's awful. So right. That's is,
3: is, he's a perfect. Two uh, people
2: look at it two different ways. Yeah,
3: but you know, it's like each side is being too. Hard on themselves or whatever, which is like everybody's selfish. It's the degree, I guess, that you act on it, but yeah. just like, or uh, like you said, reflect on how much yeah. you are, or think that's something that should be changed or fixed. Not to say selfish is the one defining thing. It's just like, uh,
2: yeah, I'm uh, just the 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 point of it all is that we got to get Hanks and Winkler on the podcast and settle this and and pinky tuscadero
3: yeah so i wonder what so did is that true was it something with
2: uh she just said something to the effect of like i didn't fit in there or something like that and it might have been with henry winkler and i wonder if are we seeing a pattern here is hollywood's second nicest guy actually the fifth nicest guy (laughs) who knows
3: let's see who the first nicest guy is. And then uh, it's like, um, Harvey Weinstein.
2: Oh, we're <laughs> screwed. <laughs> uh, Does she at some point say this song is going to boil your hair when she's introducing either shadow or made in Japan?
3: Yes. She had a lot of great like clockwork Orange love, like jargon. Yeah. Uh, uh, when she said and that person was like, yeah, I'd like to request the song, We Don't Need No Education, which oh, is, yeah. I guess, that's them trying to uh, yeah. request the Pink Floyd song. And she goes, just some hot tips. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> she also goes, when the person calls in and says something crazy, she goes, <laughs> she's sort of like, who's the come up and see me sometime? Oh, like, Mae like, West? Yeah, she's yeah. like, the 80s the- Mae West. She's <laughs> like...
2: Crazy trips must be a full moon. She's like uh, early Dennis Miller in drag. <laughs>
3: Babe. Uh, yeah. The. um, Can we talk about the intro of Diana? She's in her dressing room. Uh, she's got her f- producer friend saying, hey, Richard's in Palm Springs. She's saying he's probably coked up or loaded. Yeah. Now, I noticed when he does show up, she doesn't go, hey, you're not in Palm Springs.
2: I think that's also why I didn't see him as the husband, because I expected a real deadbeat or something. And Mm -hmm. frankly, Richard just seems so, for a killer, put together.
3: You're right. That is a pretty good, actually, way to not have you think about the husband. It's just like he's far away, and it would make sense that this woman and her son have a non-existent dad or
2: something. Yeah. Uh, Yeah um so, so it's interesting too that he kills Yvonne but then on the call he said and after he's killed Jane at the sanatorium goes I've I've done I've already done one kill oh yeah but it's just I it that almost all felt like a, a reshoot I don't think it is but just to get a kill in in the opening it, it was a weird
3: the way they got they Got that in? Like, well, is he yeah. just
2: like doing a warm-up kill? Because it <laughs> seems like his whole thing is, I got to kill someone. A- the time zone. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I like mean, maybe it was like, um, like a uh, Nova Scotia time,
1: like, <laughs>
2: time zone, or like
3: Redditch uh, meantime, uh, Green- uh, yeah,
2: Green- Greenland or
3: something. Yes, uh, I love that. This killer is not only a homicidal, <laughs> suffers from like OCD. <laughs> Like when he's looking at the clock and be like, I'm going to do it before minutes. Like, dude, you're putting this pressure on yourself.
2: <laughs> like nobody else really. Two women. Oh, no. And if I kill them both, then do I use one for the next hour or do I do them both for that hour? Because I thought for sure the girl going into the liquor store was going to live because he only he seems so rigid to kill one person per hour.
3: Yes. It did kind of, yeah, throw off our expectations a little bit. Having him kill two, three. Yeah. And then the woman at the baseball diamonds, uh, that the baseball diamond yeah. under the bleachers, which had maybe, I mean, this movie the who I loved it, but the, that scene ended so weird. Remember an off screen voice yeah. cop goes, Hey, what are you doing over there?
2: And she's just going, <laughs>
3: Richard goes, they just show a shot of Richard going like, huh? And then running away. Yeah. And then they go to a shot of her under the bleachers with the cop going, you all right? You all right? And her going, yeah.
1: hey.
2: And so he does miss that kill. That's right. <laughs> so it's a good thing he did kill to the hour before.
3: Yeah. Because later when they said, the cop said he's killed three women. I was like, wow, he was able to do the times zone." one about the playground one. I was like, oh, yeah. He They carried one over. Loophole. I, um, I mean, I do, uh, like I said, I love LA and the, the Valley is really great too. And to see somebody run from the Van Nuys drive-in to a Van Nuys straight up like Fast Times at Ridgemont High baseball diamond yeah, with like
2: the eucalyptus trees and yeah.
3: Now look, uh, we talked about it, like in movies when they can have the material, thing uh like sometimes the way something sounds or looks on screen is like what sticks with you memory wise uh and it can be the reverse a sound that you grew up with is in a movie you're like whoa i haven't thought but the metal
2: bleacher oh the tapping
3: the tapping on that that i was like i've sat on bleachers like that in my childhood for so many hours yeah and they so fucking
2: cold. Yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, they're I had uncomfortable. Such a bony butt, too.
3: But it brought me uh, just a wave of joy to see like a baseball diamond like yeah. in a slasher and yeah. to see a killer like uh, somebody trying to hide from a killer underneath like bleachers. Yeah. 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 Um the uh with uh, Yvonne's death, I thought it was cool that it was like a reverse um It was like the killer was in the shower. Oh, yeah. And she kept, you keep thinking like, is she going to take a shower? Oh, no, she's just going to go over and keep like tightening the faucet. Um, uh, I don't know if it went beyond this era, but there's like Eyes of a Stranger and this and Friday the 13th Part 2 have these really cool, um, when a stranger calls, scream level kind of, not as long as scream, but like, an opening that's like a long kind of cat and mouse of somebody moving around in their apartment and there's a stalker or something there. Uh-huh. Or um, and I don't know if after this era, after that era slasher movies, like cat and mouse beginning is like boring. Cause now we just want to get onto the kills or meet the characters so we can get onto the kills. But man, I like love them.
2: Yeah. I'm sure. Tr- I think the movie Looker has one of those. Yes. Have you seen Luke, no. Looker? It's worth a watch. Man. Is
3: that a? It's a Crichton, right? Is yeah. it a Michael
2: Crichton? Crichton. Yeah. And I just, all I remember at the end, there's a scene where James Coburn, and I'm forgetting who else is in the movie, and they're is walking. Is Susan
3: Day in it? No. She okay. might be. Okay. Uh-huh.
2: But James Coburn and another man... Like, I think James Coburn's the villain, and the other man has him at his party or something, and they're ostensibly being friendly, but they're just walking with linked arms, like gentlemen maybe used to do and never do again. And it just made me want to do that. You know, like, imagine just walking down the street, or you're at a party going from room to room with another. Heterosexual man and you're just linked arms and he's kind of like showing him the house. I love that. I know. Isn't that cool? I wish that still stuck around. Because I remember in elementary school, my two best friends were Jason Morales and Chris Camarillo. And we used to hold hands. Mm-hmm. And why does that get beat out of you? You know, I that's know. that's a bummer. I we know. Would just and hold my hands adolescence on the boys are starting
3: to do the like empty seat between us at the movies. Yeah.
2: can't. Yeah.
3: My friends and I never did that. We would laugh at the boys who would do that. (laughs) Do you want to, uh, uh, wait, do you
2: laugh at the holding hands boys or the the guys
3: who needed a seat between them? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember making fun of two guys. They were older than us. I mean like, why do you guys need that seat between us? You worried you're going to like hold
2: hands accidentally or something. Uh. And, uh, no, because we saw Matt, Chris, and Jason holding <laughs> hands in Orcharddale Elementary we School. We knew we couldn't top it. Yeah. So we don't,
3: um, and they thought they reversed it on us by being like, well, what's that say about you guys that you do sit next to each other? Yeah. Um, I will say uh, in the example, 3,542 of why I love my wife. And uh, um I'd say about a decade ago when we were dating, I was kind of like, eh, you know, sometimes when I find myself in a situation with somebody who's like a particular type of man, masculine, um, it puts me in a position of do I have to bring that energy yeah, up? Right, it kind of sucks because I usually don't. It's like, well, I didn't make up the rules of the battle. Yeah. So just by me being myself, I automatically like have lost whatever this dick measuring male thing was. And Leslie said to me, she was like, or you are so confident in your masculinity that you don't need to get hung up on how you're projecting that to people. Yeah. Yeah. And the big like, phew.
2: And it felt true to me. Yeah. So, yeah, Isn't it's very nice.
3: Hopeful. Yeah, it's very nice. It is
2: also nice to just get old enough to be comfortable in your skin, whatever your skin is, you know.
3: I mean, yeah, and I dial it too much now when I see somebody do that. I'm like, huh, you're really showing your ass here about how like <laughs> how unmasculine you are that you have to do this.
2: But uh, yeah. Um, well, you are know, Jeff Winters, M.D.,
3: no, I mean, if I had those cheekbones, that would oh, be a man. whole different story.
2: I just, this this scene where he comes in and he's wearing what looks more like a Dr. Frankenstein lab smock or, like, dentist.
3: <laughs> yeah, I love those dental, like, uh, almost, um, like,
2: imperial guard. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> tunic or something. But
3: what and, is that? It's the, like, button. Yeah, I guess the across? flap.
2: Yeah. It's, and then that hair mixed with that and the, and then the exchange between Jane and Jeff, there's a line, I can't, you just have to watch it. But when she just goes, I bet you do. And then gives this strangest smile. The, the back and forth between them is so alien and strange. And
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the thing we've talked about recently, uh, what we've now been calling like the uh, uh, the aristocrats form of storytelling, where it's like, well, hey, you know the beginning, middle, and end of the joke? You know the beginning, middle, and end of a slash or whatever? So it's just basically the details you fill in that is going to make it interesting. And I love the details they filled in with the victims. They were all, like, really interesting. And, like, to hang out with them for, like, the 10 minutes before they got killed was Uh, really fascinating. I know, yeah. This sort of, like, not beautiful nurse. Like older. Yeah. And seeing how he could seduce her to kind of do this dangerous thing of drinking on the job when you're in the hospital. It, but it also made me think of just like, man, the 70s was so freewheeling. I know. <laughs> I was very that You could just too, be like, like baby, yeah. you want to pour some champagne on New Year's Eve in this hospital? Yeah.
2: Could it ever be that easy? Then my favorite thing in that, and it was not intended, but he's about to kill her. So he presses play and record as you would on a boombox like that. But as he does that, the music changes to suspense music and it just looks like he pressed play (laughs) and brought his own horror movie score as he's about to kill her. So It's so (sighs) synced that I thought that's what he did. I was like, what is he putting? He's putting on thriller music so he can... I gotta
3: watch that again. That is so funny that he would be like, uh, yeah, like a little soundtrack to my
2: killings. And, And this shows you you know, I wear gloves and I premeditated and planned all this out. I scored my own music for the night.
3: It just adds also to his performance element. Uh, He's like, I like a little, uh, he's
2: like a one man Renaissance man.
3: (laughs) Um, I, um, with that voice he's doing too. the little, did you notice they said uh, he sounds like the phantom? Yeah. And then I found out later that's a, I've seen Phantom of the Paradise a few times, the De Palma movie, Yeah, but that's what they were referencing.
2: Does he talk like that? Yeah, I've he's never got seen. this like
3: <laughs> kind of robotic thing. No. But that what? was like seven years before New Year's Evil. It's just such a funny,
1: yeah,
3: uh, talk about like walking arm in arm and expecting like I mean yeah. that movie rules. But just that they were expecting somebody to be like it sounds like the Phantom. Oh yeah, a character who is as popular as Darth Vader. <laughs>
2: I know, there's no way they mean the Phantom like the radio serial, right? He didn't talk. I
3: mean, right. when I first heard it, I thought, when she said the Phantom, I thought, is she saying like some Phantom of the Opera But that, thing.
2: yeah, from the original? Yeah, I don't Yeah, know. like he sounds like the movie character. The Must be, Phantom. maybe that was their nod to like being fans of that movie or something.
3: Yeah, him calling himself evil was cool though. <laughs> and his son, uh that weird kind of split two way this feels like a part three or four where they're trying to set up a, a handoff from one code to the next
2: which they do do in this movie
3: yeah uh in a way that like makes for a really creepy ending like that i that worked on me i was like oh god yeah. the evil uh it was their version of halloween of like right there's something still out there that could get you
2: and derek improvised all that stuff with a stocking and the pen. yes yeah apparently yeah.
3: <laughs> I know uh, in Brantley, one notes, it was like sort of a, just a simple, much like in Taxi Driver, Robert De Niro was like, Travis looks in the mirror. And then he did, uh, you talking to me. Yeah. Uh, even though it wasn't scripted. Uh, I guess he brought that same energy. He was like, <laughs> I'm going to put it over my head. A hole will start to open. And then jam... Something in his ear. That was
2: unclear. I thought, yeah, was he poking that through his ear? I didn't know what was going on. And it there.
3: starts to bleed. Did it? I thought it started bleeding. Yeah, but maybe know. it was, um, you know, when something so scary you make up in your, in your brain a, a false memory. Yeah. Oh, there was blood everywhere. Paul, Derek had no
1: blood. <laughs> what?
2: <laughs> a couple of notes about the crowd in this uh, Hollywood hotline. For one thing, when they're slow dancing to that ballad, they're just absolutely not on the beat. So they're obviously playing something completely different at the time. Yes. Then when they do what I think is their version of a mosh pit, which just is people jumping off a three foot wall to the ground safely in a, in a like orderly fashion
3: (laughs) and in a low budget movie where you can't have, like pay a lot of extra. So it was just kind of like, Twenty people, kind of like yeah. moving around. Some of them sort of like look like authentic
2: punkers M- and New Wave. Most wavers. of them looking at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, that was a, a yeah. It was very like early mosh, and I yeah. did think the same thing that the she's like, we're gonna pick the New Wave hit of the year. This is Shadow, and they play New Year's Eve, and it sounds like New Wave, like a glam rock sort of thing. But then their next song is like, slow down blues, yeah. the Roseanne
2: theme song. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, they're playing, they're following up that high energy song with this? I don't know. All the music grew on me throughout the movie. Well, we've talked say.
3: before, I think, when a band shows up in a movie and we're like, our hearts go out because it's like, I think that was an up-and-coming band
2: yeah. that a producer was like, be. do
3: you want to do two nights and shoot this thing? And they're like, yeah! yeah! And then that means, down the line, some kid gets to go, my dad was in the band Phantom and they played a song in the movie or whatever, yeah. you know?
2: It's like... Shadow and Made in Japan.
3: <laughs> I looked them up, by the way. You did? And what did you find out? Made in Japan had some releases and they were, yeah, uh, same with Shadow. Uh, couldn't... Had difficulty listening to the music, but not not in terms of taste. I just mean finding it. Yeah, Uh, uh, Because I liked Made in Japan. It reminded me of... uh, I did too. The Buzzcocks. Yeah. Uh, In high school, I bought like Buzzcocks greatest hits and I wore that CD out, man. Uh, I loved it so much. And so, yeah, when they're like, oh, oh, dumb blondes. Hey, she's a dumb blonde. And then they have the sound of him singing dumb blondes. Echo in the next scene as the two blonde victims are like walking right. out of the... uh Where does he pick them up? Oh, that disco bar. The, this is...
2: Yeah, I have a note where you can <sighs> fucking have your Hollywood hotline. I want to party in this I supper club, shitty supper club, whatever this is. I don't know.
3: I had to get up and walk back and forth here because uh, yeah. I agree with you. So when I saw that, I'm like, why are they spending time at all, any character in this universe at <sighs> anywhere else but this place wood paneling plush like red leather booths
2: red leather booths some kind of disco jazz i don't even know what that genre of music is it's like almost like star wars cantina yeah music
3: it's low-key yeah it's still like people are dancing you can hear people
2: you can see people yeah it was cozy as fuck i looked up filming locations and i looked at a few different places I couldn't find where this was shot
3: yeah that hotel i guess is the one that's at hollywood and highland yeah but i had a
2: difficult time yeah and then um if anybody knows where Ventura this is that
3: area when he said like laurel canyon and ventura
2: oh yeah if it still exists i doubt it but because this
3: movie wasn't um building sets that had to be a real it had to be
2: I mean, it also looked too authentic. There, It was too imperfect for it <sighs> to be, be.
3: Yeah, obviously. Yeah, they are very likely oh, that place remodeled it. And then, yeah, he picks up like two groovy chicks too. And that's when
2: he puts on his sleepaway camp must- fake mustache.
3: Oh my God. And I love his like, well, this is the first time you realize he's going to be doing disguises. So it's like, yes. oh, fuck yes. <laughs>
2: And this is where it starts to feel a bit like a porn too. Because yes. when he meets this woman who's just... <laughs> Heavily made up, and he's wearing this mustache and in the valley, yeah, in yes. the valley, and it was like cocktail bar.
3: <laughs> yeah, you're right. This seemed like this is the hangout for adult actors after yeah. a long day uh, at work. Oh. Um, did I ever tell you you don't remember the vivid entertainment, vivid video entertainment building that's right off the 101 across, funnily enough, from like Universal Studios? Oh, yeah, it's that big I think white so. yeah. building. My friends and I would joke always. You know, and you drove by it when now it's uh, bankrupt or whatever. It's empty office space. But we would like point and be like, hey, if you look in the window, you'll see some naked people having <laughs> sex or something. One time after a day at U- Universal Studios, we were driving out. Somebody made that joke. We looked out and saw a naked man and a woman. They had lights set up and we saw them. Didn't see the penetration part, but just saw, oh like the God. above waist part.
1: Really? <laughs> yes.
3: It was such a funny thing. I was like, oh, I guess that's where they would do it. Why would they rent space? I love else? that
2: it maybe wasn't an accident, but like how the Today Show has, you know, come on ah! by and see a vivid that's porn really... being made in real time.
3: Some mobs out there holding sides that, like, <laughs> <laughs> Toledo, Ohio go, loves vivid go, entertainment. Go, Lincoln High Marching Band Department. <laughs>
2: And and far from the parents, like putting shielding their children's eyes, they're like kneeling down and pointing. Look, look at that. That's an actor. You know them. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh my god.
3: But uh, yeah, to be not just a fly on the wall at that bar, to be a patron.
2: What's the closest place that exists like that? What's the um the the Mexican restaurant in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, that's still there. Yes, um, Uh, I know you. I went there not too long ago. Yeah, my uh,
3: brother-in-law who uh, Casa Verde,
2: right? Mm -hmm. I forget. Um, uh, Not to be confused with the. It's the one they go to at the near the end because there's also the coyote. uh, Right, the one on it's the the one where they go to get hammered at the end of yeah, Uh,
3: but yeah, my. Brother in law who grew up in Northridge. That was one of the first places he took me uh, uh, to. And it was like delicious uh, Mexican food. I had, mean, I came to California loving Mexican food. Oh, so it was God, so nice to go. I was the, just raised on it. Real thing.
2: Have you ever been to the Derby in Arcadia? No. Is it's, that related
3: to somehow the old no, Derby? No. It's
2: like a, it's near Santa Anita. So it's like a ra- racehorse themed steakhouse, but oh. red leather boots it's i had my bachelor party there just as a dinner you know oh fun yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. an old school steakhouse because there are very few of those old school steakhouses left i know i, I know I the uh, smokehouse yeah across
3: from the warner's lot is pretty great
2: yes that's right yeah i looked actually went there to research that for my bachelor party but ended up going with the derby
3: yes uh that I, I I feel that probably is better because just to go over the hill or uh, down the street to Burbank is an exciting trying yeah. a place that you've never maybe been
2: to. I like recommend the Derby. you try it out
3: sometime. And, <laughs> and well, did you ever get to go to the, like the Brown Derby and stuff before it closed?
2: <laughs> yeah. I went there right in the like height of the swing days yes. where my friend Jeff Davis was big into swing dancing in the 90s and I would go with him and I could not swing dance. And I was very, this was the time- I when didn't I, know that about Jeff. Yes, he was big into that, like the swingers and all that. And I would go and I just, this was when I had severe social anxiety, but didn't know that I did. Uh, and I didn't know what was wrong with me that I didn't like going to these Hollywood places and we'd also go to this bar called the lava lounge and it was so loud and so crowded and i just was would you miserable. be uh,
3: on any sort of would you drink there or something i might
2: have a drink but I, I didn't drink much back then and i still had never tried pot and mm-hmm. so i just
3: feel like those places are so loud because in the quietest of places uh, no judgment it's what happens it's just like drunk people get loud yeah so then when it's at a bar around loud people with music it's like oh this is guaranteed yeah. to be very loud
2: but i was just so out of my element in being able to if if i could even hear people know what to say yeah and I just was i think i i was still in that denial phase of thinking like yes i should like this i should like this and then
3: well, I wouldn't, if I had gone there, I wouldn't have danced because I'd be scared to like, would you dance?
2: No, I didn't know how to, these yeah. were good swing dancers yeah. and they were dressed to the part and uh-huh. I I had no business. So I was just off on the, I was a wallflower hoping that there was some other f- person in our friend group I could kind of hang back with, but that wasn't always the case.
1: You know,
3: what's really funny about that, Matt, is like um, you were getting the... Closest to the real thing version of the swingers, big band thing by going to that. Um, uh, Was that, by the way, is that old derby up the street from where we first met? Yeah. (laughs) It's just up from. It's where that Chase Bank is. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's right. (laughs) I should have just. So you didn't know when you were feeling that social discomfort just down the street. It would
2: have helped because it would have told me, you're gonna beat someone who's so like-minded, and and you're you have these simple pleasures in common that are kind of antithetical to this.
3: Kind well, of in thing both ways, both in
2: volume and uh, yeah, interest, yeah. and I mean. just telling you yourself you like this when you don't. You yes,
1: know?
3: I've oh, I've totally been in to those places that spot before the um, uh, but the Brown Derby that you were going there, and it's like the closest to the real thing. Um, I'm sure a lot of those people being young, living in Los Angeles, both men and women, attractive people, you and Jeff, you guys are both, hey, speaking of the uh, aforementioned looker, you guys are both lookers. Well, uh, I I
2: had no confidence. He was, he was like, he would get a different girl every night. And like, that to me also was so foreign. I just didn't have that kind of, Game. I needed to know someone for months to charm them. He yeah. could just go in there. He, uh, and yeah. Errol
3: Flynn. He was. Said, yeah. 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 It's yeah, yeah. yeah. great. Uh, I mean, uh, I love all kinds. Uh, if, if people are being cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, the my point is, you were surrounded by like real, maybe glam and yeah. sexiness. Yeah probably that same year, I'm sure maybe the same night, the (laughs) Brian Setzer Orchestra came to play at the (laughs) Sioux City Convention Center. And I didn't like it, but it's a night out on a fucking Sunday night. Like This is the lamest in every way. Um, It's a night out with friends to go see live music. I'll take anything, you know, it's like junior year of high school or something. And... I still like anytime I hear the swing music revival or whatever, I think about this night where it was a, I was in a band, marching band kid. But any kid who was in the marching band, they're like, fuck, yes. They're playing songs to the radio where my saxophone gets to wail. Yeah, yeah. So every band kid from like the surrounding five counties oh, is how coming. Funny. A little different than the crew that was probably going to this L.A. club. Did. <laughs> uh, because everybody wants to dress from that time period. They like dig into their like grandparents' yeah. clothes. And I'll still remember that night's like smell yeah. of like teenage B.O. Oh.
2: And old mothballed yeah. clothes. Yeah. That's the real thing people don't tell you about the swing craze.
3: The bo, the and- bo,
2: and the and the vintage clothes. It's like a Goodwill smell. The must, yeah, the must,
3: yeah. It's, what is that? Yeah, the Goodwill must.
2: It is a thing. It is a thing.
3: Uh, oh,
2: how funny! Uh, and I wasn't living in LA. I was living in Long Beach, so I would also travel up for this. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. Like I it, just thought, I this is what you have to do. It's like I was like a closeted recluse you know what I mean I couldn't admit to myself that this wasn't who I was
3: yeah it's good though that you got out there during that time because who knows if you would have stayed in that could have veered off into some incel territory
2: I suppose but I, I don't think it was ever possible <laughs> Not I that could that, have I stayed don't think in it I couldn't is. have ever stayed in because I just I couldn't do it I did. and now I really like to go to uh, like a cocktail bar or something like mm-hmm. that if it's mellow or something mm-hmm. it's just got to be mellow it's got to be cozy
3: yeah what is it it, it it still to this day if it's kind of a, a place that's overpopulated and loud forget it i can't yeah. do it
2: also you know like you you do lose certain frequency and hearing when you age too mm-hmm. i hated it when i was younger but now i really in that kind of setting i i can't really hear everything you know
3: yeah, when we would go uh, on our band and play shows or something, and then I talk to people afterwards, and I'm yelling over music the next day. I'm also because I sung, but yeah, anything that my voice happened because I sung gets worsened by me like screaming over music to ask somebody how they're feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, we're we're burying the lead. We have a townland and. Uh, don't stop or we'll that die. Sloppy boy Sloppy boy show on January 26th at the Lodge Room which was such a fun gig last time.
3: Yeah, we wanted to kick off the new year right. January 26th, uh the Thursday at the Lodge Room which is a beautiful venue. Yeah. Where we played our previous show and it was such a
2: grand time. And we'll be selling Townland vinyl. This is the first time Ooh. we're doing that live. We saved some even though we sold out online. We saved a... Uh, <coughs> we'll be
3: selling our vinyls for the first time at a live uh,
2: New down everybody. Say hi. We'll Buy some there.
3: um some of that uh licorice pizza. Yeah. Um, the uh, um what's your favorite slang for a record? Licorice pizza hands down.
2: <laughs> hands down.
3: Um now when he picks the girls up in the at the disco bar, the Bee Gees disguise, yeah, and he says he's good he works he name drops Eric Estrada. Oh yeah. He's got game, this guy.
2: I know he knows the right
3: name to drop.
2: He doesn't need to kill. Like he, he, this guy could be scoring.
3: He's a lady killer the other way. Yeah. Um, The way, uh, but yeah, when he's like um, trying to get them out of the bar to like kill them, I think it would be funny if he was like still trying to get to Eric Estrada's house to do it.
2: (laughs) Maybe. It does seem like he had a very clear <laughs> destination that we never got to see what it was.
3: Yeah, somewhere around Ventura and Laurel Canyon, yeah. that intersection.
2: Uh, Let's talk about the exchange when the diarrhea roommate goes into the liquor store to buy champagne. The, the strange interchange between the liquor store owner and her. Yep. Rivals that famous scene in the room where he goes in to buy flowers. Do you know that?
3: Yes, and it's so non-unadventing. Uh, like, yeah.
2: it, is happening there?
3: It was weird. It seemed like she was suspicious of the clerk.
2: But then he just is stilted and doesn't really respond. And-,
3: and then the fact that that moment came after... I mean, it's why I love these the low-budget exploitation movies. And when I was a kid and we were renting these, the first thought I had when we were watching them when they do strange things, I was like, well, oh, that's what's fun about these movies. Yeah. They're not getting like...
2: A second take.
3: <laughs> just not getting noted to death, yeah. where it's like, why no. would somebody that's for don't sure. do this? They're just sometimes trying to fill out a running time. They're so not that'll...
2: getting noted to life.
1: Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> but when she was going like... T M and then I did this and then I, she's listing off all the things and she was like T M can it cured her diarrhea? Yeah, I was like this is really funny. I was I laughing know. it up. It's, yeah. uh, it, it even a horror movie made by a studio. If a studio even made a horror movie, they wouldn't allow a five minute scene no. where this has a girl he picked up at a bar talking about T M and I cures diarrhea. <laughs>
2: This reminded me of those early child's play movies where it was just one man's fancy and he kind of like stream of consciousness wrote scenes and didn't look back.
3: Well, didn't the writer and producer, the director all meet like in Nog or something?
2: (laughs) Something like that, yeah. It's got that feel. Maybe
3: that's Richard's backstory as well. Oh, I like that.
2: Can we do a pee break? Oh, sure. We'll be right back. Uh, New Year's Peevil.
1: With
2: Alright, home stretch. Yes. Hmm, what else you got? Um, well, uh I did
3: I mistake. Oh, I just gotta say, that whole liquor store sequence was pretty awesome. Like uh yeah. a lot of unexpected stuff. I yeah. wasn't expecting, yeah, like you said, the second victim to still get killed. And uh, when she came out, looked in that dumpster, yeah, and he was in there.
2: With a lighter. <laughs>
3: You got to see me. <laughs> the wait, this will scare you is if you see me. Uh, yeah, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Um, the uh, 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 Oh, and that he also killed her by being like, smell this weed. And then the bag that the weed was in, he suffocated her but
2: with. I, I am willing to believe he pre-planned this. That's how he's going to kill her anyway. Uh-huh. But when she sees that weed, I would be like, wow, you keep your weed in a huge bag. (laughs) That's not a lot of weed. I mean, I guess it's a lot of weed, (laughs) but not (laughs) compared to the size. Of
3: the bag, the comparative weed to the bag.
2: That's like a bag you used to get at B. Dalton when you'd buy like eight books. (laughs)
3: Like eight coffee table books. Yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) You should have uh, suffocated with a B. Dalton bag. (laughs) You get some free product placement. Uh, The um. So did I miss a disguise before he was a priest? It looked like he did this kind of thing where he was wearing shades with like a little ascot. He kind of looked like Fred from Scooby-Doo or something.
2: Uh,
3: be- before he was the priest and pretended to be like, oh, my with brother. the
2: fake mustache in the club
3: between that between the disco club guy and the
2: so where was he when he had this he looked like he was in the car
3: and he was like putting on a new outfit and then when he stepped out he was a he had the priest collar I was like wait a minute I thought he was Hmm. gonna do this kind of new cool groovy guy New
2: Year's Evil on the cutting room floor like a a edited out kill
3: we demand the Snyder cut (laughs) I can only assume Zack Snyder worked on this Uh, uh,
2: Um, this cut has to have Snyder Schneider from one day at a time
3: the Snyder cut (laughs) Uh, the uh, uh, so yeah, oh, 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 fucking, I love it in horror movies where they have to have a doctor talk and like, so somebody's a little, especially
2: this uh, 80 pack a day smoker. This guy, the guy who
3: gave the new yes, he was like, This is what he's explaining what the killer's motivation is here. He has a compulsion for sequential drama. Building to a grand climax, so uh, it reminds me of very similar. oh, just like the plot. Is that what yes. you're trying to do? <laughs> he's he has a desire to complete things in the third act, yeah. What were you gonna say? I'm sorry, uh, there's a
2: guy that does pretty much the exact same thing, almost similar lines in Die Hard Three with a vengeance, and he's kind of mocked, but he's you know a criminal profiler and it's just similar voice and like all this psycho babble. And,
3: God, those, never does that character ever get honored. It's the therapist and the film critic character in a movie. They'll never be treated kindly. yeah. Because I guess for that, it's like, for the therapist, the the profiler people, it's like, oh my God, you're a shrink and a bureaucrat. (laughs) (laughs) That's
2: right. You piece of shit. (laughs) You took your science and sold it out to me. Civil services? <laughs> Gross. Don't you know how much
3: more money you could be making privately? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's what people were most upset about. Uh uh When, okay, dude. Uh Also that he was saying that because the women had breast mutilation, he had a mother fixation. But then while the, he's giving the, they show Derek like peeking around the corner looking at his mom to suggest He also has... Yeah, I think so. um, The Diane character did seem kind of like... Is Diane Blaze? Yeah, sorry. Uh, Blaze. I should just call her by her birth name, Blaze. She, like... It did seem like the movie's point of view or politics was a little like, this is
2: women's lib gone too far. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because she is... A very negligent mother in the beginning.
3: And a very interesting final girl because yeah. like Derek is the person who gets a lot of what the final girl usually does, kind of like that emotional access of like, oh, Derek's sad. I'm sad for Derek that Derek's sad. Yeah. With the mom, you don't really get that. So when she's in the elevator as badass as that sequence was, it was just like I was like, oh. I don't yeah, know. I care for her because she's a human being, but it's not like she's been like.
2: Uh, well, she also looks like someone who would be killed, maybe fourth in line in a movie, because she's got all this really extreme rouge on her cheeks, and
3: yeah, it's kind of like in Halloween Five, the final girl that gets chosen. You're like, wait, her?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh,
2: but yeah, uh, so when she, I don't know, um, that cop that it protects her, it was really refreshing to see like a, a very capable. Not the lieutenant, but the oh, that like, guy—the regular cop that goes with her in the elevator. He seemed but, like
3: a real cop because he wasn't that great of an actor, but he was I like, know. "Hey, I'll stay here with you and make sure you don't." Um, yeah, he was yeah. really
2: thorough, and I he would love go. That. I know. I was refreshing to see that in a horror movie of someone where I actually felt like, "I think she's pretty well protected with this guy," <laughs> more
3: than that lieutenant yeah. who says stuff. Think like when they listen to the recording, he goes, "Sounds like he's using some sort of." Voice modifier. yes think processor? Yeah, processor?
2: Oh, really? <laughs> you don't think a human being? But turns out he wasn't.
3: Uh, oh, that uh, he was doubly stupid. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> made in Japan uh, playing their next hit song, a real hat on a hat thing coming from a band made in Japan with their hit song Bonsai. We get it, guys. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think
2: I'm. They have a song called "I Think I'm Turning American." Who was the band that had, they had an album called Made in Japan, but it was M-A-I-D-E-N, like Made in Japan. Was that Iron Maiden?
3: No. Maybe, because I'm thinking of, right now, Breakfast in America, the Super Trip album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which uh, has neither the words made or Japan in it, and in a way it shares the word in. I mean, it is Made in Japan. Very difficult
2: word to find in other things, mm-hmm. in. it's iron, Yeah, it's Iron Maiden. What's it uh, called? Album. Maiden Japan but spelled maiden like fair maiden is it
3: like their live album in Japan uh, or something
2: released as heavy metal army in Japan is a live EP by the British heavy metal band Iron Maiden I mean that's a pretty brilliant name I know Made I love Japan.
3: fucking wow. metal bands and stuff that have puns cause it's just like and
2: they had Eddie
3: too, we're so
1: evil Wordplay,
2: <laughs> I w- I liked Iron Maiden, it was one of the first two CDs I ever bought. I bought <laughs> Fine Young Cannibals, The Raw and The Cooked, and Iron Maiden, Aces High. But they never yes. like fully grabbed me like Van Halen or Def Leppard. But their branding top notch that character Eddie, yep. Oh my god, good work, yep. Yeah. Um, oh, another thing that cop says, yeah, she goes, Do you have any kids? Yeah, I got two sets of twins. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I missed that he has four
2: kids. Yeah, but what what a weird thing to twins. throw in there. I got two sets of twins. It does feel like maybe is this guy a real cop that was just helping out on the set, and does he have two sets of twins? <laughs> yeah,
3: like right before they shot, the director was like, "What the fuck? Two sets of these?" Like, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we gotta put that. We need a document of this weirdness. <laughs> Can you repeat that on camera? Um, I like the sort of proto silver. Uh, or proto sliver Uh, uh, of William Baldwin, early William Baldwin watching the surveillance cameras on the elevator. What is with
2: this access panel that you can just easily take that, that cover off control video and all the controls of the elevator using Only a series of alligator clips, wires, and a screwdriver. From the
3: beautiful period that brought us Superman 3, where technology Uh is unknown enough that it can do anything the movie requires. But, like, once people around, like, I don't know, mid 90s, late 80s, start going, like, "Eh, computer, I don't think can build a shirt right now for these people. (laughs) Uh, Oh, I want to point just the timeliness of this. This was 11 days after. Uh, John Lennon was murdered. Oh. So all this like crazy talk they're having about protecting her. And there's a madman who wants to kill her. And then, mm. oh, they cite two examples. They're like, son of Sam Zodiac. He's doing this for attention and stuff. And it's like, very, oh my God, I wonder prescient. what it, what it yeah. was like to sit in the theater yeah. and watch this and be like seeing, then uh, talk about a killer who wants attention by, killing a public
2: figure another interesting thing where a movie is prescient about that sort of thing Mm -hmm. have you ever heard of abel archer 83 no so there's a new podcast called snafu hosted by ed helms which is like takes a look at big blunders in history apparently he, he was or will have been or almost i don't know if it's come out yet a guest on conan and the whole series is about this military exercise that NATO would do every year called Able Archer. They would just do a simulation of war games. War games had come out in 83. <laughs> and then in November of 83, this they did their annual war games. But for some reason this year, the Soviets were watching it and thought it was real. And we came so close to nuclear Armageddon and it's been hidden all these years. Damn,
3: because they didn't, they would freak people out too yeah. much if the next day yeah. they were like.
2: But there's all this interesting speculation of, you know, because, Reagan at one point like seemed to overnight change his his position on nuclear proliferation. Oh, and that it um, might have been that because it got yeah. too close. I don't know. I'm only an episode or two in, but it, that Uh-oh. Cold War nuclear history like that is just keeps me alive. I don't know why. I love I that am so stuff. scared of it. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. And it's like a. Oh, and they interview Matthew Broderick because War Games was so, you know, such a parallel to what was going on um
3: in college I was broken up with somebody and war games was going to be on in an hour and I remember thinking like I wish I was with this person because she liked war games and we oh. could like watch war games right now like to watch war games with the one you love is oh, a very man. special thing
2: it makes me want to a man is going out to dinner tonight so I have like a Night where I can just watch a movie. I was planning to watch The Third Man because I haven't seen that in so Ooh, good choice. But War
3: games, I could do War, War games too. would be really great. And you get to see White Hot Star. Uh, what's his name, Ali Sheedy? No, oh. from I, I thought he was a White Hot Star when I was a kid. Matthew Broderick, Wait, no, the scientist they go visit. Uh, he's also in uh, oh. The Man with Two Brains. And uh, what was he in that I would have referenced him in? Uh,
2: the guy who invented
3: the... Who they go and visit in the cabin. Yeah. David. Um, yeah, what's his name? I'm going to get there. Strathern No. Uh, oh, I'm mixing it up. So the actor is John Wood. But the actor, I thought it was... Um, was well, you'll see what I find out. Um, but yeah uh, War Games is a is a cozy watch also the fact that it's two people falling in love yeah isn't it funny that like a thriller the story could either be while all the things happening somebody's falling in love it's a married couple whose love is being tested with mm-hmm. the adventure or they're it's like outbreak and they're divorced and maybe this oh, yeah. adventure will get them falling. if I had to choose I want to see two people falling so, in love
2: what am I, crazy that's what Did the guy that's actually in that movie what else was he in?
3: Oh, David Warner is the person. Oh, like, he Wait. does
2: look like David Warner, yes. yes,
3: yeah, and it's the same kind of character David Warner wow. would play, yeah, right. But uh, War Games and uh, Cloak and Dagger would make a good double oh. feature. God. <laughs> Should we
2: how do we squeeze gentle
3: that? espionage, <sighs> cozy, cozy espionage? Yeah,
2: let's do a cozy espionage, a that's mini really good. season. Yeah, because those are thrillers. Because what would be another
3: third man is because uh, oh, cloak and dagger is basically a riff on third. No, what paid, is it? Patriot a, games. Too. Yeah, <laughs> Patriot games is sure. a cozy
2: thr- cozy espionage kind <sighs> of.
3: Uh, what is that espionage? <sighs> Try to fit in cozy into Wait, it. Wait,
2: I'm just trying to think if there are other really cozy espionage movies. So cloak and dagger, and war games.
3: I mean, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy is very cozy. Very cozy.
2: Very, yeah. very dry. Are you talking about the movie or the series? The movie. Yeah. 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 If we watch the movie. Have you seen that movie? I've seen the movie. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. Oh, yeah.
3: But I didn't see the series or read the book. The series is even cozier. I've been a tinker, but not a tailor.
2: (laughs) I've been a tinker, a
1: tailor, a soldier, a spy. All
2: right, let's take this home. Yes. uh, uh, I have a big question. Oh, let's hear it. About the mask. Are you there yet when he reveals himself? Oh, that's what I was
3: going to say. If you have a mask that's that cool, wear it all the time, buddy. Is
2: that Stan Laurel?
3: I have the same note. I was like, is that Stan Laurel? It looks like at least that's maybe what this company is going for that. They want it you to works. see it. It's a it's, good slasher mask. It is a really good slasher mask. And that actor's eyes underneath it yeah. are really good. And then when his son wears it at the end of the movie and he's wearing it and he's driving the ambulance. That was really freaky.
2: Kind of reminds me of Jason's mask in part five when he's in the muscle car. Yes. A little bit. There's something about the,
3: yeah. uh, the essence of it. Um the uh uh Oh, do you think that elevator kill was supposed to be like emulating the like ball drop
1: oh. of New Year's Eve? That's a good question. Probably not, right? That.
3: But I was like, what's the idea of? How I mean, it's so that? funny when a killer does something like that. It's like, I think if somebody has a sexual compulsion to murder people, <laughs> they don't get much enjoyment when they're like, I. Tied a chain to them on an elevator and smushed them with an no. elevator. It's like I think strangling them or yeah. putting a knife in their body is yeah. probably more no. what they're going to go for. This is some old
2: school melodrama like Pauline's Perils of Pauline. <gasps>
3: oh, then, then he sticks! I love any time of the little hidden corpse at the you know oh, the, yeah. the last fifty. I thought of maybe we're going to see
2: all of them. God, like, where she went floor to floor and revisit all of them.
3: That would have been great because when she saw Yvonne's head there, that was like really scary and good. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, I love the whole elevator stuff. I mean, it definitely felt more like a a canon movie in the action category sure. rather than horror. Absolutely. Uh, but then um, I did wish... This is the last thing I'll say. It uh, is I wished that there had been a scene between Derek and the dad. Yeah,
2: yeah. Because that...
3: Whatever was going on between the two of them, whatever they're cooking up in cahoots between the two of them about the mom—that's so weird and interesting. So to see like how they relate to each other would have, been. and and just so then when he hands it off to the dad, and oh my god, that movie is this movie is not giving you a satisfying end to this killer. A no, killer commits he suicide takes is his own wild life
2: after reciting Hamlet and. Hence- Kind of revealing, like, I know he has an overall motivation for this, but it does seem like his, like, immediate concrete motivation is, I want to go to the Rose Bowl game with myself.
3: Oh, <laughs> my God. I LOL that that is like, and then tomorrow you can sleep in, meaning she's like dead or something. He's like, and I'm going to take my son. To the Rose Bowl game, and we are gonna shit talk
2: you like you can't believe in. Watching. And if
3: my son doesn't get up for it, I'll pretend that the door won't close. <laughs> I'll pretend that I can't turn the music down <laughs> until he gets his lazy ass up.
2: Oh well, that's all I got. Yep, yeah, yeah. What do you? What do you like for a best kill or a best thrill? You choose.
3: Um, hmm. best
2: thrill and
3: best kill. Is that what you said?
2: Yeah, either or.
3: Uh, yeah, best kill for me was the yeah. the the uh, dope bag suffocation surprise dumpster yeah the liquor store kill. Same with secrets. me.
2: Yeah. Now, um, what are you gonna give this at a thirteen? Because we each we gave you gave Black Christmas a twelve. I gave it a thirteen feels like I should have given a 13, but
3: hey, that's for another re-ranking episode. You can always, if you want to change it, you can. Let's do it. You want to go? Yeah, to, I yeah. think so. It's grown on me now that, uh, I mean, it was already on me, but. When You're talking Black Watch, Christmas. Yeah, yeah Black yeah. Christmas 13. Yeah. And I said that this started as an eight and yeah. it could either gain from there or lose from there. I think it did gain from there. Yeah. So I'll say it's a, oh, a nine.
2: Nine. I'll do... I'll do eight point five.
3: I'll definitely go back to this another time because of the right the time capsule thing you said. Yeah. I just love the
2: setting and atmosphere. I know that's why I'm I'm excited about <gasps> oh, all these movies. Less so Leprechaun because it's a little more recent and mm-hmm. campy. Mm-hmm. But My Bloody Valentine and New Year's Evil. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we like I said, we will take a two week break, but um. Please, if you're in L.A. or coming to L.A., get some tickets for one yeah. January 26th at the Lodge Room. Beautiful. Um, there's lots going on on Patreon. Check it out. And then we'll be back with My Bloody Valentine. Fun. To, is it, well, we're taking two weeks off, so.
3: it would be, a, it would but be um, we'll be yeah, talk about atmosphere and vibes. Yeah. I love My Bloody Valentine's uh We'll be back vibe. on the 20th. 20th. Hey, all right. Yeah. Well, we love you guys. Yes. Uh, Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year. Stay safe out there, whatever time zone. Yeah, look out for Richard. There was that twist of the kill happening on the Hawaiian New Year's timeline was pretty cool. That
3: whole ending was so creepy when it was like, and then it was like, ooh, was the paramedic driver the Honolulu kill? Yeah. Or... Or, or is the mom's now going to be the, uh, the Japan? Uh, oh, yeah. Or what, what would be the next time yeah. zone?
2: It's, it, it's a kind of interesting connection to Black Christmas where it ends with the final girl having survived but probably going to die. Yeah. Or, or having just been killed possibly like in Black Christmas.
3: Having that kind of oh, lingering cell out there is very
2: creepy. But a phone call connected to it and a, and a new year's connection yes. to the kill. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. All right. Over to you, my bloody Valentine. You better keep this going. Yeah. Look out. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 For more Gorley and Rust content. Head over to patreon.com slash to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early. Plus, monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash Email us at withgourleyandrust at gmail.com, and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Wood, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candyman.